All right, good morning. Glad you guys are here this week. Uh, there was a leak upstairs in our kitchen area. The sink just started leaking everywhere. And a few of us, we kind of crawled under there and looked around at it. And we were like, I don't know, like maybe we should call a professional, okay? Luckily, we've got a, uh, a plumber or two that attends church here at Connect. And so we uh, called up one of them. Shout out to Brody Hickson, who's back there running screens for us today. He was up here this week, actually. And uh, he got that sucker fixed up like it was nothing. Like he showed up and within 30 minutes, it was working perfectly. So I'm in my office, I'm doing some work and things. He comes by and he's like, hey, I just wanted to let you know, it's all taken care of, I'm done. And I'm like, bro, you're already done? That was fast. And he said to me, oh, that, that was easy. And I thought to myself, yeah, easy for you, okay? For me, that is, I have no clue what to do when something mechanical goes wrong. You can ask my wife. Like, my very first reaction is like, we need to call somebody. Like, literally, a command hook falls off the wall, and I'm like, we better call a handyman. I'm I'm not sure what to do here. So when Brody says, okay, it's a slight exaggeration, but only a slight one. Um, When Brody says, yeah, that's easy, I'm like, well, of course it's easy for you. For somebody like me, it's brutal. It's difficult. It's a slog. I really have to work at it. It's not something I enjoy. Not something I ever hope I even have to do. So we said our goodbyes. He walked off. And then it kind of occurred to me after he left. I was like, man, how many times have I had this exact same conversation in which I was talking to somebody in the church or somebody in the community? And I'm like, oh, prayer? Prayer is easy. And they're like, yeah, easy for you, pastor, okay? When it comes to prayer, I don't know what I'm doing. It's so confusing, and I'm not sure if I'm doing it right, and it doesn't often seem like it's working. So yeah, sure, prayer's easy for you, but it's not easy for me. And although I know we just did, like back in January, do you remember? We did an entire six-week series on prayer. And so I was very much like, Lord, do you, are you sure you really want me to talk about prayer again? Because we just talked about it like really recently, and he's like, nah, I think we probably need to talk about this more often than you believe we should, Dan, okay? And so today what we want to do is we want to look at a, a short teaching from Jesus himself that will help us understand why it's important to pray first and to pray well to pray first and to pray well. I want you guys to leave here feeling better equipped to say, you know what? Prayer is going to be my first response and not my last resort when something happens in my life. And to say, I feel comfortable praying. I feel like I kind of know what I'm doing here. It is possible for you to pray well, and I want to help you today. Now notice, I didn't say I'm going to teach you today how to pray effectively. See, that's what a lot of people get concerned about. They're like, well, I want to know how to pray effectively. Because when I ask God for something, I really want him to say yes. And so I want to pray effectively. But effective prayer is not the same thing as healthy prayer. Right. Okay. Don't get consumed with effective prayer. Get real hyper-focused on healthy prayer. How do I pray in a way that's healthy, in a way that's robust, multidimensional, satisfying? It feels like something significant is happening when I'm talking to God. God actually wants that. He wants your prayers to be meaningful and mature. And so today I want to do everything I can to help you by looking at the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter number six. Okay, so Matthew six, we get the, the uh, passage that we call the Sermon on the Mount. This is Jesus' most famous preach, all right? So he's gathered on a hillside, all of his disciples, and there are a bunch of other people, men, women, children, they've all kind of gathered around to listen to him. 
And of course, he, he gives them this very broad, wide-ranging sermon. He covers so many different topics. But in Matthew chapter number six, we, we read in, in verse number, oh, I think it's five or so, uh, he begins to talk to the people about some of the things that he sees that they are doing wrong when it comes to prayer. And so he's basically like, hey, uh, it's awesome that you guys want to pray, but you're doing some things that are undermining your prayers. They're actually kind of hindering what you're trying to accomplish. And so he, I mean, we, we don't have to get into all of it. We won't read the passage, but he talks to him about praying with the wrong motivations. Like there were some people who like to be, they like to pray and be impressive when they prayed. You know what I mean? And Jesus is like, come on guys. Like, that's not what this is about. Or they would pray kind of like publicly so that people would notice them, you know, whatever. And so he addresses these things that they're doing wrong. And after he goes through that section, you should read it. In verse number nine, he says to them this. So then, this is how you should pray. So he said, this is probably what you shouldn't be doing when you pray. Now, this is how you should pray. Okay, before we actually read this, and this is going to be super familiar, even if you're not a church person, you're going to be familiar with the words that he's going to speak here in just a moment. But before we get to that, I actually want to tell you about something that happened a little while later in Jesus' ministry. So we're, we're not leaving Matthew 6. We're going to be here for this morning. But in Luke chapter number 11, there's this really interesting thing that happens. This uh, passage in Luke 11 is several months, potentially even like a year later in his ministry. And if we were to jump over into Luke 11, the Bible tells us in verse one, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray in the same way that John the Baptist taught his disciples to pray. Now I can just imagine Jesus in that moment. He's like, like, do you, I, I already did this once. Were you not listening? You were there on the hillside. I already taught you guys how to pray. Come on, knuckleheads, pay attention, quit falling asleep during the sermons. Okay, Jesus had that issue too sometimes apparently. No, but Jesus actually doesn't react that way. So they come to him and they say, teach us to pray. And he's like, well, I kind of already did, but here we go again. And I want you to notice in verse number two of Luke 11, Jesus says, this then is how you should pray. So catch this. He gives the same response to both of these requests, to both of these moments when he's going to be teaching how to pray. Now, what's super interesting about these two passages, okay, is that if you read what he says here in Luke 11, which we're not going to do, and you compare it to what he says in Matthew 6, which we are going to do, what you find out is that they're really similar, but also fairly different. So like he doesn't give them the exact same words in both passages. They certainly cover the same sorts of themes. They talk about the same general. It's kind of got the same flow to it and stuff. But like the one in Luke is a little bit shorter and it's missing some of the things that are found in Matthew. And so they're not exactly the same. So why is that? Why are there two versions of the quote unquote Lord's Prayer here in the scriptures? Well, I wonder if you noticed, and this is true here in Luke 11. It's also true in Matthew uh, chapter six. So we can just point it right here on the screen. Do you notice that Jesus says, this is how you should pray. Jesus doesn't say, well, this is what you should pray. He doesn't say, these are the words that you should say when you open your mouth to pray. Instead, he says, this is how you should pray. This is how you should talk to God. See, this is, this is meant to be a guide for what we say when we talk to God. Or we could put it this way, healthy prayer follows a form, but not a formula. 
a form, but not a formula. Now, look, you may have grown up in a church tradition where they taught you to say the words of the Our Father prayer. Nothing wrong with that. It's amazing. It's an incredible prayer. Came from the word, like the mouth of Jesus himself. So there's nothing wrong with it whatsoever. If you want to say, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, go for it. I do it. It's okay. But it's not the only type of prayer you should pray. Instead of saying, this is what you should say, Jesus reminds us that this is how we should be praying, okay? There are no magic words to guarantee that God's going to say, yes to your prayer. You, you with me? Sometimes we look at the Lord's prayer that way and we're like, oh, well, if I just repeat these words, then God is going to give me the things that I need in life. But hear me, prayer is not the same thing as saying like hocus pocus or wingardium leviosa. Okay. There are no like magic words that are going to guarantee a response. It's not an algorithm. God's not a vending machine. You can't put in a certain kind of input and guarantee a certain kind of output in response. Prayer should follow a form that is outlined in scripture but it's not a formula to guarantee anything. So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to see four things. There are kind of four qualities that are true of Jesus' prayers. They should be true of our prayers as well when we're praying, but I, I just need you to hear me, okay? This is a form and not a formula. It's a guide, not a guarantee. So you should be praying this way, but you're going to see that the goal here is not to get God to give you the things that you want in life. The goal is instead to communicate with your creator and to grow closer to your father. Okay, so let's do this. Let's look at what Jesus says here. Matthew chapter number six, we'll read verses nine through 13. He says, this then is how you should pray. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. That word hallowed means may it be honored. May it be kept holy. May people put some respect on it. Okay. He says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. And forgive us our debts or our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. He says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. And all the people said, amen. amen. All right, we're going old school Baptist, man. We're singing hymns. I'm saying all the people said, all right. Now, there are four things that kind of characterize Jesus' prayer. I think there are four things that should characterize our prayers as well. And if we weren't Baptist enough already, each of these four start with an R. So here we go, okay? Now, listen, the reason that we do this is not to be clever. It's actually to help you remember what we're saying. But I don't think you should rely on your memory. So, like, I would actually even encourage you, if you don't have your phone out, take a couple notes. You might actually want to remember this stuff because it'll be helpful to you when you want to talk to God later this week. Okay, so here we go. I think, firstly, from the Lord's Prayer here, we see that our prayer should begin with reverence. They should begin with reverence. That's that first R. Jesus begins by praising God. He shows reverence to the Father. That word reverence, it means to, to have a deep respect or honor for someone. You'll notice this again and again in Jesus' prayers. He is constantly showing reverence, honor, and respect to God the Father when he prays. He is expressing how great and good God is, all right? Can I remind you of something that is very easy to forget, but as Christians, we can never let this slip from our minds? We talk to God because of who he is, not just because of what he can do. Okay, wait, wait. Now, most of the time, when we pray, we talk to God because of what we believe he can do. And yes and amen, good for you for having the faith to believe that God can do anything. He could take your mess of a situation and turn it around and make something good and beautiful out of it. Yes, but 
We don't only talk to God because of what he can do. We talk to God because of who he is. Our prayers have a tendency to focus on God as our provider. And he is that, but he's not only that. He's more than that. Like how might our prayers change if we let our our souls be captured by how great and grand and beautiful and majestic God actually is. Like if I started doing that, like really consistently, you know what I think would happen? My prayers would start to have God at the center of them and not me in the center of them. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm just being real with you guys today. I know you're all such mature saints in the faith that you don't struggle with this. But like, if I just audit my prayers, if I just take a step back and I'm like, man, even over the last week or so, like who is at the center of most of my prayers? And the answer is Daniel. And I think that's a problem. That's not what Jesus modeled for us. He modeled a reverence, a respect that God is the focus. He is the one to whom we're praying. Yes, but he is even the reason that we're praying. I mean, when I look at the prayers that are in the Bible, this is the pattern. This is the focus that they follow. And I'm just going to be honest with you. I think that that gives prayers a depth it gives them a foundation, a robustness that is very often missing in the prayers that we tend to pray, okay? So look, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pick on some people for a moment, nobody in particular, so don't worry too much about that. But like, okay, if I'm just honest, like there are some grown folk in our church and, and, and like when we pray together, the, the prayers are the equivalent of like nursery rhymes sometimes. You know what I'm saying? It's like, thank you for the world so sweet. Thank you for the food we eat. Thank you for the birds that sing. Thank you, Lord, for everything. Amen. Look, that's good for a kindergartner, okay? But listen now. The Bible tells us that our prayers are two. We are communicating with the God who created absolutely everything. The one we're talking to has the power to move mountains as easily as mustard seeds. Our prayers should reflect that. They should grow up a little bit. They should honor God as the king, as the creator, as the good one. Like compare the kind of prayers that even sometimes you've heard me pray. Compare them to the types of prayers that you see in scripture. Look at Jude chapter number one, verse 25. Some of you didn't even know there was a book of Jude, but there is. Listen to what he says to the only wise God. God, our Savior, be glory and majesty and dominion and power both now and forever. Amen. Amen. Yes. There is like power behind that kind of prayer. The power is not in the words. The power is in the reverence. The power is in the focus. The power is in the recognition that I am talking to the almighty God of the universe. Time and again, Jesus' prayers, they model the type of reverence that, frankly, we miss. And so I think we need to include more reverence when we pray. Rather than jumping straight into our requests, rather than getting to all the things that I'm worried about, like maybe I could just take a moment at the start of my prayer time and bless God. Like, how often do we think about what God is going to give us in prayer and we don't consider what we should be giving God in prayer? Honor, glory, worship, reverence. He deserves it. Yeah. 
He deserves it. In fact, if you find this kind of difficult, and it's not an easy thing, it, the easy thing is to just start asking, okay, to give him the wish list. That's the easy thing. If you find it really hard, let me encourage you, go read the book of Psalms, like spend some time in the book of Psalms, and you will see that the psalmists are constantly rever reverencing, revering is the right word there, revering God. They're lifting him up. They're honoring him. They're saying, you are good. You are powerful. You are worthy. Like spend some time in the sections of the scripture that do this incredibly well. Beyond that, there are some other things you could do. Like this is, like this is, I told you we're going to be Baptist. We're actually not going to be Baptist for just a moment. This is the Anglican Book of Common Prayer. And if you want a resource outside of scripture, scripture is your best resource. But if you want something outside of the scripture, like how do I pray in a way that feels mature? How do I pray in such a way that reveres and honors God, that centers him and gives him the honor that he's due? This is the best resource you're going to find. I promise you, if you put an Anglican and a Baptist the Anglican is going to slay in this prayer battle. They are going to destroy the average Christian, not because they're any holier or better, but because they understand the value of reverencing God. And so I encourage you guys, when you pray, make this a regular component of what you're doing to give him honor, to give him glory. So let me ask you a question for reflection here. Um, you're just going to answer this to your, between yourself and God. How well do my prayers express reverence for God? How, how well do I actually do this? Kind of just be honest in your own heart. Do I seek God's face before I seek his hand? Do I want to know God or do I want the things that God can give me? Maybe, maybe we could ask it like this. If you knew that you were going to go to heaven when you die, so that's not in question, and you knew that God was going to say no to every prayer request that you ever made for the rest of your life, would you still pray? And if the answer is like, well, no, why would you? Then you do not understand what prayer is about. It's more than that. It's multidimensional. It's robust. Now, here's the good news. Uh, you are going to go to heaven when you die if you've accepted Jesus. Yes and amen. Thank you for that. And God has not promised that he's going to say no. In fact, he's told us he's going to say yes to a whole lot of our prayers, okay? And so we have this incredible reason to pray. And when we pray, the reason is not so that we can get the stuff we want, it's so that we can connect with the God who deserves honor, worship, and reverence. So our prayers should, they should begin with reverence. Secondly, our prayers should allow for response, okay? You see this here in, in verse number 10, when Jesus prays and he says, may your kingdom come, may your will be done. I want you to know, this is not merely like a statement, okay? This is an invitation, this is an invitation. Like when we pray these words, we're supposed to kind of think to ourselves, well, like what's my role in keeping his name holy? Like, how do I do that? How should I do that? What's my part in his kingdom coming here to earth? What would it look like for God's will to be done in my family and in my neighborhood and in my own life the way it should be? Uh, what is my part in all of this? This is one of the biggest mistakes that we make when we pray. We turn prayer into a monologue instead of a dialogue. There's no opportunity for response. It's not a conversation. It's a speech. I'm here to speak to God. He's going to listen and hopefully he's going to give me what I want, right? But hear me, praying well doesn't require being a good talker. It does require being a good listener. 
If you want to pray well, then you learn to incorporate a listening aspect to your prayer times where I'm not just talking all the time, but I stop and I listen and I let God speak either through his spirit or directly through his word. You ever sat at a dinner with somebody that's just like, and and they don't give you any room at all. Like, I feel like that's how God is. He's like, oh, oh, okay, we're on to the next thing now. All right. We've got to have time for response. There's got to be an opportunity for, for the Lord to speak to us. And then like, let me have ears to hear God. I'm asking you for all of these things and you're trying to talk to me, but I'm actually not pausing to listen and let you speak back to me. So when you pray, ask God, God, what do you want to say in response to this? Like when I pray for wisdom, like what's the wisdom you want to give me? I'm ready. I'm here. I'm listening. I'm open. Would you give it to me? God, I want wisdom. So I'm going to go to your word, right? Like there has to be this opportunity that we allow God to speak because conversation is, it's two ways. All right. We've got to be willing to to let him speak. So let me ask you this question uh, for reflection here. Okay. This is again, between you and God. Let me ask this question. Who sets the agenda for my prayers? Who sets the agenda for my prayers? Come on now, we, we both know the answer to that. Yeah. Like I set the agenda for my prayers. So when I have my prayer time, I feel so good because I'm like, oh, look at me, I'm a good Christian. I'm having my prayer time. And I show up and I've got my agenda and the agenda is totally of my creation. And there's never a moment where I'm like, hey God, is there anything that I should add to this agenda right now? Is there anything that we should be talking about that either I'm unaware of or I am not interested? Maybe I'm trying to avoid that subject. Let him speak into it. Who sets the agenda for your prayer life? And if the answer is only you, then you can have a, an okay prayer life, but it'll never be what it should be because God speaks when we pray. He responds when we make requests and we've got to give him the room, the opportunity to do that, okay? To let him hear. Have I built intention? ways for God to speak to me when I pray or to change the focus of my prayers because praying well should allow for this response from God. You with me? Okay. Uh, Not only that, our prayers should include requests. They they should include requests. So if we look at Matthew uh, chapter 6, verses 11, 12, and 13, Jesus tells us very specifically that we should pray for the prayer requests, the needs, even the wants and desires that we have. So like nothing I've said today is like, well, you shouldn't be going to God and asking him for anything. That's selfish and greedy. No, like Jesus models bringing our prayer requests to God and we should follow his example. There is nothing wrong with asking God for the things that you think are important in life. Now, here's the deal. That should not be the only thing that we do in our prayers. It should be a component. Shouldn't be the first thing. Shouldn't be the main thing. It should be a component of what we do, right? Jesus is constantly praying for his needs, for the needs of the people around him. In fact, you can even see here in the Lord's prayer that every prayer request that we're going to pray is really going to fall into three categories, okay? Every prayer request that we might ever lift up to God is going to be about resources. So God, would you help me? Because I need a little extra money in the bank this month. Hello and amen. Uh, God, uh, I need help. I need whatever it might be. There's going to be resource prayers. There's going to be relationship prayers. So I'm praying for my loved ones. I'm praying for my spouse. I'm praying for my friends and family, my church family, whatever it is. We pray relationship prayers. And then uh, we pray rescue prayers. God, deliver me. (laughs) I've made a mistake. I've made a horrible mistake. And I need you to come rescue me. I need you to deliver me. Every one of those types of prayers 
is good. It's okay. You should be praying them. You shouldn't be embarrassed or ashamed to pray those things. I can't tell you how many Christians I've talked to over the years, and they say something that sounds so like spiritual and mature. They're like, you know, I just, I don't really ever ask anything for myself. I just, I'm so busy praying for all of my grandbabies and all of my friends. And there's so many people around the world that have so many deeper needs than I do. All of that is true. But if you never lift your requests up to God, you know what you're doing? You are essentially saying, I'm independent of God. I don't need anything from him. I've got it all covered. No, you don't. None of us do. And so we want to be careful that in our attempts to like be as, as spiritual as we can be, that we don't end up accidentally pulling ourselves further away from God when prayer is supposed to draw us close. Jesus set this example. He says, give us our daily bread. Please, God, would you forgive us and help us to forgive others? Would you deliver us from the evil one? These sorts of requests are good and they're right. But We can't ignore the fact that Jesus did say, give us our daily bread, not give me a fully funded retirement at the beach, Lord. You know what I'm saying? Like there is a difference between those two prayers. Now, look, if you want to pray, Lord, give me a fully funded retirement at the beach, go for it. Just know God has the right to say no. Jesus taught us to pray for our daily bread. What do we really need today? And God will deliver. He will provide that for us, all right? He he told us that our relationships would be characterized by healing, love, and forgiveness. He taught us to pray that way. He didn't say like, oh, God, please give me a smoking hot wife. Like that, that's just not the kinds of prayer that God is really moved by. Again, you can pray them and he might give you a smoking hot wife, but he, he may decide that you're not going to have a wife or whatever, okay? So like we've got to understand that what Jesus calls us to pray for is um, there's a reason he phrased and framed these things the way that he did. You know what I think actually more often, so here's here's the really, really good news, okay? When we pray, God is actually, um, he doesn't say no as often as you think he does. He actually doesn't. What he ends up saying most often is not right now. So you're praying, God, I need a spouse. He hasn't said no. He's just said not right now for most of you anyway. God, I need a promotion. He hasn't said no. He said not right now. God, I'm looking for healing. He hasn't said no. He said not yet, not right now. So the good news is most of the time we think we're getting a no. And he's like, would you just be patient, please? All right. I I got something I'm working out here. Just stay with me. I'm going to take good care of you. Okay. So like we pray these prayers and we kind of feel like, oh my gosh, you know, uh, God isn't answering. He is. And so the things that we pray for really should be shaped by the types of requests that we see in the scripture and an expectation that you can pray for anything, but God also has the right to say no to anything he wants to. And he does so for your good and for your benefit. Anybody like, thank God for unanswered prayers. There are things I asked for uh, from God, you know, 15, 20 years ago. And I'm like, woo, I'm glad he knew better than me in that time. Okay. Here's, here's the truth. God is the decider and provider of every good thing in my life. He's the decider and the provider. Like I I got a list of stuff. I think it it would be really good to have God. It would be really good to be. I have a list and um, God may be saying yes. He may be saying no. Most likely he's saying not right now. And so when I pray, when I ask for something, I'm framing things the way that Jesus did in the garden. Do you remember how he prayed in the garden? He asked very specifically that, you know, that he could be delivered from the, the cross, from the suffering he was about to go through. If there's any other way, God, I'm asking for it. But then he ended his prayer by saying, nevertheless, 
not what I want, God, but what you want. I, I trust you. You're better than I understand. Your plans have, they're better. They have, they have rationale and explanation and purpose behind them that I just can't get. And so I do trust you because I know you're good because I know you have our best interests at heart. And so we always frame our prayers and our requests in particular in such a way that we understand that most of the stuff that we end up spending our time freaking out and asking God over, we don't really need anyway. We're going to be just fine without it. Nice to have, but don't need to have. Okay. And when it comes down to it, if God says no, for some reason, if he genuinely says no, or he says not right now, it's because that actually is not the right thing for you in the moment. He loves you that much that he won't give you something that he knows will not be good for you. So frame your prayers that way. When you pray, trust that there is a reason that he might say yes, no, or not right now to your requests, okay? So here's a question for reflection. What do my prayer requests reveal? Like, what are the things that I spend my time praying about? And what does that reveal about me? What it reveals about you is your priorities. Like if, if you spend all of your time praying about romance, it's probably because romance is kind of the most important thing. Now, that doesn't mean romance is bad. It doesn't mean you shouldn't have a spouse or a partner, or boyfriend, girlfriend, any of that. I'm not like, that's not the point. But I'm saying like, if I only ever pray about one subject, then there's a risk that that subject is actually my idol. It is my God. It is the thing that I am consumed with and consumed by. And remember, we want to go back to this idea of reverence where we show honor and glory to God and not anything else in his place. So what am I concerned with? Who do I really believe is in charge when I'm praying? It's him not me. Okay. All right. Last thing, uh, our prayer should conclude with readiness, with readiness. Verse number 13, Jesus kind of wraps up the prayer and uh, he says, you know, um, he says, uh, when it's all said and done, God, would you deliver us from evil? And would you help us to live for your kingdom and glory? It's your kingdom, your power, your glory. This is the, you are the one, you are the reason that we are here, that we live and move and have our being. This is all about you. When we pray, like there should be a sense that when we get done, we're ready to go do something as a result. Like not, okay, God, I'm going to sit here until you deliver. No. Like there is a, I've asked, I have a confidence that God has heard me. I believe he's going to give me what's right in the right timing. And so now I'm going to go out and I'm going to live in light of what I say in my prayers. I'm ready. When I get done with my prayers, it is like, God, this is about you. This is for your kingdom. It's for your glory. It's for your power. It's for your honor. It's right back to the top where we're recognizing, we're centering him. We, we recognize that like, hey, when I get done praying, he's, he's God. I'm not. He's the one in charge. My life is not my own. It's been bought with a price. So my prayers have to ready me to live for him, right? When I get done praying, I'm ready. I know there's going to be a battle. There is going to be a battle in my life today. And so my prayers ready me to do battle God's way. They ready me to live in ways that the world is not going to understand or appreciate. Anybody been following me on social media lately? It's a hot mess. Why? Because I said some things that ticked some people off. I didn't even think they were that controversial, but here we are. Um, look, there are going to be things that I say and do that people are not going to like. You know what? That's okay. I'm ready for it. Jesus says, don't be surprised when the world hates you. They hated me first. Of course, they're going to hate you too. I didn't expect it to come from the church, but anyway. 
Hey, my prayer is ready me to die daily. That's what the scripture says. If you want to be my follower, you take up your cross, you come after me, you deny yourself, you follow me, you die daily. My, my, my prayer is ready me to say, you know what? In my life, God's got to increase and I've got to decrease. Like I, I, God's got to become the, the one that people see when they look at me, when they listen to my preaching, when they see the church, when they look at my family, like it is about God. I want him to get the glory. My prayers get me ready for the return of Christ. They get me ready to help those who are in need. They get me ready to have gospel conversations at the supermarket. They get me ready to bring heaven down to earth. They get me ready to bring glory to God. I won't get caught slipping or sleeping. Okay. Because my prayers keep me ready. I understand that prayer is supposed to end with an outward focus. Like if we were to look at the things that we've said today, okay, so we've got our reverence, that's an upward focus. We are, we are focusing our heart and our eyes on God. That's upward. Then we talk about response. That's downward. God is speaking to us. We're letting him respond and tell us what we need to hear in response to our prayers. Then there's a request that's an inward, like God, here are the things that I need. Here are the concerns. Here are the, the issues that I'm asking you to intervene in. And then there's readiness. That's outward focused. Your prayer should end with you and your heart, your mind, your eyes focused on so what and now what? Like, how is my prayer life actually going to change me? And how is it going to change my kids? How's it going to change my marriage? How's it going to change my business relationships? How's it going to change my classroom? How is my prayer life going to make any sort of difference in the world? And if you say, well, it won't, then again, you misunderstand the power of prayer because prayer actually does. It changes us and it changes the world around us. Readiness. Our prayer should end with this sense of readiness. So here's what I want to do. We got like three minutes. So I'm going to go one minute over today. Sorry about that. Oh, well. Um, reverence, response, requests, readiness. Also notice the one R that's missing is results. Because like we can't control any of that. So we're going to focus on what we can control. Here's what I want to do. I, I want to walk. You're going to pray to God yourself. It's okay. You can do it. All right. Well, I'm going to walk you through this. It's really, really straightforward. So let's all, we're going to bow our heads, close our eyes. And for maybe, I don't know, 30 seconds, could you just give reverence and honor to God? Could you tell him he's big and awesome and good and you're glad he exists and you're thankful for who he is, his character and nature? Could you just say some words if you don't know any? Try. Oh God, you are awesome and majestic. You are bigger than all of creation. And God, you are perfect and holy. There is no fault or wrong in you. You are love personified. You are grace and mercy every single day. And God, we thank you for your character and your nature. We have a God that we can love. We have a God that we can trust. We have a God who's worth knowing. We have a God who's worth following. Thank you so much for the gift of your nature, allowing us to get a sense of just how awesome, powerful, and beautiful you truly are. Now, God, in the next few moments, we're going to be quiet. And we're going to ask that your Holy Spirit would speak to us about some area of our life that maybe we need to submit or surrender to you. 
that God, if there is some sin, that you would bring it to our hearts, our minds in this moment. That God, if there is somebody in our life who's in need, that God, their face would flash to mind. If there is a scripture that needs to, that we need to focus and meditate on, I'm praying that the Holy Spirit would illuminate that truth even now. So God, for the next 30 seconds as we're quiet, would you speak? Would you give us ears to hear and tell us what it is that we need to know here in this moment? God, every single one of us have requests. We have needs, things that are burdening our hearts and weighing us down. And so God, we're gonna take a few minutes and we're gonna pray and we're gonna ask you to intervene in situations in our own lives or in our loved ones' lives, in our world at large. And we're just gonna ask God um, that whatever we ask for that's not according to your will, that God, um, your will would be done, not ours, not our desires. And so we trust you to say yes for the things we should have, no for the things that are not good for us and not right now for the things that will come but maybe at a future date. So in this moment, congregation, would you just speak to God? Would you just ask him to bless, be with, provide, restore, whatever it is that you have a burden on your heart for this morning, would you talk to God about it? God, all of these prayers, all of our discussion, all of our service and worship today, it is due to you because yours is the kingdom and the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. So I pray that God, as we leave this place in a few short minutes, that we would leave understanding that you have called us to be agents of change. That Lord, you've called us to love people the way that Jesus loved people, to have faith for those that feel crushed, to be willing to intervene, to step in, to provide, to serve, to give, to go, to do whatever has to be done so that people can know you, you can be glorified, their lives can be whole and restored in Christ. God, help us to leave this place ready to do whatever it is that you've ordained for us to do as your followers this week. We thank you so much for the privilege of prayer. We ask that you would forgive us for taking it for granted. And I pray as we focused on praying well in the coming days, that prayer would become an even greater joy for us. We would see more meaning and health behind our prayer lives and that God, you'd be honored and glorified in it and it would change us completely. We ask all of this in your name. Amen and amen.